and welcome to the Shark Edition of the Fins Up Podcast. I am your host, Terry, and I am joined by a man who I just have to stand and applaud for doing such an outstanding job on a podcast that I bailed on last night. He took Matt Elliott to the cleaners, and fair play to Matt Elliott, he answered everything, but I am joined by the number one host on Fins Up now, Dan Nichols. How are you, buddy? Mate, thanks so much. I'm good, Terry. Um, we missed you last night, mate. Um... I spoke to Matty off air and he said he said he'd love to come in, but um, he did sink the boot, and I very much agreed. And I'm looking forward to that case of beer. I'm really looking forward to having a case of beer with Matt Elliott as well. <laughs> it doesn't sound like terrible punishment, does it? No, and from the way that he was telling stories, I actually think that I probably need to bring three cases of beer so we can just get it out of him. <laughs> Mate, he's, he knows his football, and look, I, I had another page of questions, Matt. I could have gone for another hour, but. We decided we cut it at about 50 minutes, so uh, it was a lot of fun, mate, and I, um, I look forward to the next time he comes on, because I um, I could have talked footy with him all night. I was going to say, it was, it was interesting hearing those stories about, you know, the way Graham one really shocked me, um, and, and just, you know, hearing about the Warriors and what he thinks about them over there, but it'd be really nice to do a podcast with him and talk about analytics and data and you know, what he sees in the game and how the game's changed and stuff. There was a question I forgot to ask you for him as well. So, you know, like, he, I can't wait to get him back. Oh, absolutely. That would be great. But God damn my, my daughter for being born on that day, right? Oh, I know. You just, you know, it, Bell could have held on for another couple of hours and, you know. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's get into the reason why we were here or why we are here for tonight. The Sharks on the weekend took on the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs and won, again, won the game 20 points to 18 in a game that has kind of divided people's opinions and where we where we are. So, uh, Dan, the floor is yours. What were your thoughts on the game on the weekend? So I'm I'm right down the middle. Um, look, we, we needed a win, and we said last week we'd take a, a shitty win, a one, two-point win, and that's what we got. So I can't be too disappointed. Um, some people did say that the Roosters put like 40 on them. Uh, we're not the Roosters with all due respect. So I don't think it's fair to, to compare the two. Um, look, I wasn't overly happy when the game was over. I didn't u- do my usual song and dance and stuff. Uh, a win's a win, mate, as far as I'm concerned. And we should build on that. Um, I wish we weren't playing Manly this weekend. So we could truly build on it. Um, look, a lot of the same errors were there, and we'll get into it in a minute, but I saw a lot of good things. Uh, I thought Bryson Goodwin was absolutely fantastic in what he did. Yeah. Uh, I'll touch on more on that later. Katoa was freakish. I thought Johnson was good, and we gotta we got to address the, the elephant in the room. The uh, the tri-assist drought has been broken. It has. By, by the Chad. Um, look, I I'll save it a bit for later, but I, I think we may disagree a little bit. On the Chad's performance, uh, but I'm going to throw it to you before we before I really get into it. Well, look, the, the, the thing is, the the dogs aren't a very good team, right? They're really not. But there's one thing that that club always has is just some fight about them, and they're always in games and they they drag you down and they make you play to their shitty level. And unfortunately, we're a club that gets dragged down by them. And as you said, like the Roosters have just got that ten million dollar team that you know, won't get dragged into that dogfight, whereas we will. And I think there were some people who really stood up in that dogfight for us. And then there was a couple of performances, like some really disappointing performances on the weekend as well. Um, before the game, Rich Ossington said that we are, 
you know, we're a shit football team. And, and I can't agree with that because on paper, we have one of, you know, we have a desirable squad that nearly any coach would want to put their hand up for, you know. Moylan, Johnson, Woods, Fafida, Blake Braley, our back line, uh, Josh Dugan. It, it, it's a desirable squad. We're not a shit football team. We're a dumb football team, and we're a bit unlucky. We're a bit unlucky in the sense that, you know, on on the results that should have and could have gone the other way this year. So I think when the team's down, that's, you know, you're starting to get those performances now. But had we beaten South, had we beaten the Storm, um, you know, had, had we beaten the Dragons like we should have, you're probably looking at a football team that does beat the, the Bulldogs by about 20 points. But it's about finding that rhythm at the moment. There was a lot to take away from that game in the fact that we won a lot of categories statistically against the Bulldogs, which is, you know, when you win those types of categories, you're going to win the football game. I think the scoreline flooded the Bulldogs very much so. Um, but, yeah, um, when, you know, let, let, let's start talking about the individuals. Dan, I'll throw it over to you. I think we do have to address Chad Townsend first. We do, mate. I actually put it to Twitter. I didn't write how many votes it was. It was only five-hour poll, so probably 100,000, 200,000 tops. Um, yep. And look, 55% of people who responded said good. Um, look, I'm going to take 20% off that for trial votes. Um, so yep. you're looking probably around 35%. And 23% of the closest was bog average. Um, look, I tend to be more towards the average than good. Um, look, he had, he had two try assists, and I'm not going to take that off him. It was funny that Fox Sports actually called the second try assist his first, but, I mean, he put he put Katoa in the space. Katoa stepped and scored. He de- he definitely had two try assists. Not even yeah. I can dispute that. Um, after the try assist, he made a line break and blew a try that would have blown the game wide open. If he'd found anybody but the bloke he found, and there were four of our blokes around him, uh, that's game over. We start running away with it. We do put 40 points on him. Um, had a good couple of good kick chase, but there was a time he kicked early when we had real ascendancy. And I know the commentators are saying, oh, that's a good kick. But they made 45, 50 metres off the resulting set. So the good work was sort of undone. But again, a couple more. Maybe there was another line break at the end. Uh, he, was, he was by far our worst. Uh, he wasn't our worst player, I mean. Uh, this was a huge improvement on what he's done. Um, but I do have to say a very brutal and honest fuck you, Chad, for that hospital pass that almost killed our mate Moylan. Mate, if that wasn't a shot at you and me, I don't know what the fuck was. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I'm going to say that I don't, think, I don't think Chad was bad. I don't think he was good. I think he was somewhere in the middle. That pass that he threw to Katoa was absolutely sublime. It was similar to the one that he threw to Dugan on the opposite side the week before, which, which set up Herodi's try. So... You know, we said that then he was really unlucky not to get a try assist, but um, that ball that he threw to Katoa was great. That kick to Goodwin, when he kicked it, I was like, is this guy fucking serious? It's the third tackle and he's kicked the ball. And then you just have a look how far in the field Watini's Lesniak was, and you're like, that's actually, for Chad, that is one great vision, and two, a fucking spectacular kick. It was, it was on a point, yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, there were a few things that were, you know, his decision-making was really bad. When he made that break, all he had to do was throw a short ball to Sean Johnson and Sean Johnson scores. Absolutely. So, Jeremy Marshall, oh, sorry, no, Brandon Wakeham had gone to the man that he was going to throw the ball to. Um, all, and, and Johnson was screaming up on the inside. If he just held the ball up, Johnson scores. So, I didn't quite understand that. He had, Hopper Whitey wasn't going to stop Johnson. If Chad had drawn it perfectly. He kicked on the third tackle 
into a Bulldogs player, which we didn't get a six-again call from because it was just a fucking shit kick. And the worst thing about that kick, he has this tendency to drift across the field and then kick back to the left-hand side, and everyone's offside. (laughs) So even if that kick had gone down the field, our chasers were out of it because they were offside. You're either thinking the ball's going to spread right or kick the ball to the right-hand side, but he goes back to the left and he kicks it, and... You know, your winger, your centre, the guy who's played the ball on the hooker are all offside. And he kicked the ball at the fucking marker. (laughs) Chad's going to chat, mate. What can you do? Um, I thought defensively he was okay. Um, He did get sucked in a little bit on their their first try. Um, Wade Graham shuffled uh, across as well and and Hop Whitey went through. But overall, it was... It was an improvement. It's not what you want from your halfback. Compare him to his halves partner on that day, who was absolutely sensational. Like, we don't win that game if Sean Johnson is any other player. If Sean Johnson was replaced and Matt Moylan was our six that day, we don't win that game because Sean Johnson had the game, had the ball on the street. He was very good. Unfortunately, people have short memories. And they're going to remember the last thing that happened, which was that god-awful intercept pass that didn't need to be thrown. Um, but he, he had two try assists. He had a whole lot of line break assists. And he threatened all day, made over 100 metres running. And it wasn't just hit-ups. Every time he hit the line, he looked dangerous. Yeah, I'll say this about Sean Johnson. He's three steps ahead of our team. <laughs> He's too good for us. Because you see him running at the line and no one's running with him. But you could just, you know, you're almost looking at, and again, on that right-hand side of the Roosters, if he's running to that line, you can bet your fucking bottom dollar that Angus Crichton and Joseph Manu are there with him. And I don't know if it's that cohesion or, or whatever, but I'm going back to what I, I said before about us being a dumb football team and therefore out on our luck. With Chad making that break, a smart football team who's, you know, clicking, he throws that ball to Johnson and Johnson scores. Johnson created that overlap, and all he had to do was pass the ball to Jesse Ramian, and it's a touch football try. Ramian, Ramian ran through and ran dead. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how fucking in the gap he was. Unfortunately, he tried to get Katoa the fourth try, and that ball was never on. And that's what I'm, I'm talking about on the luck. But, you know, for Sean, he had two try assists, which now takes him outright top of the league. Not bad for a half who everyone's saying should be dropped. He had one line break assist. He made 19 from 20 tackles. And they were all good contact tackles as well. 108 metres. He kicked for 443 metres and he forced two dropouts. He was the best player on the park and it wasn't even close. Absolutely. He um, he was very good and he's, he's the reason we won the game. Um, last week we forgot the 3-2-1, Terry, so maybe we should get that out of the way. Uh, I think the against the Dragons, uh, are you, you want the 3-2-1 from last week or this week? No, nah, let's do this week. I don't care about last week. Didn't happen. Oh, I had Sean Johnson, Aaron Woods, and Sione Katoa. I had uh, Johnson, Goodwin, and Katoa. So. Right, so let, I, just, I want to give a shout-out to Aaron Woods because I know he does cop a lot of slack for us. But this week, he, he made the most metres on the field. He made 194 metres, and he had 67 post-contact metres. His defence, his, his rough defence can be questionable at times. I thought he was absolutely sensational. Um... Just some other stats, some game stats. Uh, we had 52% of the possession. The Dogs had 48%. Both teams completed at 85%. We said last week that all you need to do to beat the Bulldogs is complete your sets. 
which 85% is not bad. It's above the medium. Unfortunately, the dogs completed their sets as well. Um, we scored four tries to three, obviously. We kicked two goals. They kicked three from three. That touchline kick from Avrilo right at the end was fucking brilliant as well. Um, we ran for 1,699 metres of 209 runs for 8.1 uh, metres of run. They had uh, 1,606 metres of 201 runs for 7.9. So we won the contact battle. Uh, we made four line breaks, three to two. We kicked 710 metres to their 580. Uh, they missed 20, uh, 35 tackles. We missed 29. And both teams made eight errors. The difference between our errors and theirs, were ours were fucking dumb. Ours are just dumb errors. That's uh, Sharks going to Sharks, mate. I know I've used that before, but you can't have a Sharks performance that doesn't have stupid errors. I was getting very frustrated. Now, I, I purposely didn't tweet the game this week because... I almost blew a blood vessel last week, and I didn't. I didn't have fun during the game, so I thought I'd kick back, put the phone across on charge. You know, I just I had to tweet when Chad put that try on because I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I enjoyed this game more than I thought I would, to be honest. Uh, maybe Chad scoring did did kind of ruin it for me, so I was looking forward to launching tonight. But um, mate, Woods, very very good. I still getting very frustrated watching Fafita play football. If that guy steps over the ball one more time and we get a referee that's in a bad mood, so help me God. But my my frustration came that every time we were getting a roll on or we were pinning them down, we kept giving away six again. And yeah. it just fucking drove yeah. me crazy. The six the six again. I, I tell you what, that referee though was a bag of shit. And I I, I don't know if we're getting the fucking dregs or what, but you only have to listen in the second half. Jesse Ramian makes a tackle, and he goes, get up now, Jesse, six again. And and he said it in the same breath. And Ramian hadn't even had a, a chance to get up. And there was, it was no different to anything else. And there was the, in the first half, the guy literally jumped and hugged and held onto the ball and would not let Fafita play it. And that referee goes, you're milking it. Um, Can't understand, mate. What did you I make of the sin binnings? The one thing that pissed me off, though, was that when they overturned the the knock-on from Watanis Lesniak because they said Blake Bradley played at that ball and, and stripped it out. That's bullshit. He, he didn't play at the ball, mate. He The commentators were all unanimous that that yeah. was a clear knock-on. He had the hand on the ball, as is the whole idea of tackling. Yeah, um, yeah look, I don't um, think the referee did great either, mate. I, I can't argue with that at all. Yeah, no, he, he was really, really bad. Like... I get the sin bidding on Nakora and I get the sin bidding on Wakem, but he didn't warn he he didn't warn either of the captains. He didn't turn around, you know. He didn't communicate to Wade. You've given away too many six agains. He didn't communicate to uh, whoever the Bulldogs captain, Josh Jackson. He didn't communicate, and that's that's the worst part. Like um, Jared Sutton, for all you know, for all the, the criticism he cops because his brother was the boss or whatever, he talks all game. He lets the players know all game. He's constantly talking to the captains all game, and that's what makes a good referee. And that's the difference between like Cummins, Chekin, and and Sutton compared to Perinara and that fucking dreg we got on the weekend. You're right. Um, going back to Fafida, I thought Fafida's spell was absolutely outstanding. So I, I don't know where you've gone there, but he had 135 metres, which was the second most for our forwards. He made 22 of his 23 tackles. He wasn't as lazy, and he ran fucking hard. He had four tackle breaks, which was the most from our team. So, oh, sorry, no, he was behind Ramian on tackle breaks. 
But I, I thought Fafina was really good, and I think that's the stint for him. We said, I said it last week. You agreed. His best position for us now is coming off the bench. Undoubtedly. And look, the stint itself was good. But I argue that if we had another referee on that day who was nitpicky, he would have given away the ball four times because he stepped over the ball and one of the the referee yelled, play it with the foot, and Fafita got up and fell over. And I was like, well, that's a penalty. We ended up scoring from that play. Thank God he didn't call it up. But on, on another day, mate, you, I think he gives away four penalties. I just, yeah, I just okay. He needs to get up, slow down, take that extra half a second, roll the ball back with his foot, we're all good. I just my stomach muscles tense whenever Fafita's got the ball. I'm just expecting it's, something dumb. It's probably yeah, it's, it's probably because of his knees fucked. He can't do it. Oh, look, if he's got a note from the doctor, it's fine. Yeah, I was, gonna, I, was, I was literally just about to say he needs to go out with a note on the doctor saying I can't bend my leg. I can't. It's that's fine. Look, if if that's if that's true, I I, I take it all back. Yeah, um, Jesse and I thought he was really unlucky. As I said, Sean Johnson, if he if he puts that ball to Ramian. It caps off a brilliant game from him. He made 192 metres, and he took the tough runs. And I'm going to get on to another player on the team that's not taking those tough runs. But I thought Ramian was absolutely outstanding. He was so dangerous every time he had the ball. His ability to just beat a player and his post-contact metres, his legs just keep going. He's a, he's a big, strong you know, ox that we've got out there. I'm so happy he's back. Um, I'm going to ask you now, Dan, before I... We, I, I shift the conversation, but what were your thoughts on Moylan Dugan uh, switching in attack and defence? Um, d- didn't hate it, but I felt as though one of them needed to be there for that try that Foran scored when there was no one within seven or eight metres. Um, Dugan was tracking across and threw his arms up like, oh, fuck, here we go. And Moylan was on the wing. So I, I, I don't... I, I like it in the sense that Dugan returning the ball is far more dangerous than Moylan, and I prefer Dugan under a high ball, but there's going to be times where they're going to look at each other and be caught out of position, and I don't know if that extra five or six metres a hit-up is worth copping a try where they're both out of position. I think if they get it right, it could work, um, because I like I like the way Dugan runs at the at the line. and you just, you just feel like he's going to break the line, whereas I don't feel like Moylan's going to break the line. Um, I want Moylan at fullback in attack so where he can float across and you don't know where he's going to be. I'm indifferent to it. I hate to sit on the fence, but I didn't hate it, but I was pretty frustrated when they scored that piss weak try. I, I didn't really get it. I didn't, I, I didn't understand it because I know you said about Dugan's kick returns, but Moylan made like 40 metres more than him on the weekend, and Moylan was returning the ball really well. My issue with it is if you're moving Moylan out of fullback in defence and playing him at centre to persevere his legs, then play, you've got to play him at 5'8". You're answering your own question there by saying this guy's not a fullback. It's, it, it, it's, it's honestly mind-blowing that John Morris is trying, to, trying his best to put Moylan in a position that he just can't do. And he, you know, halfway through the game, he says, oh, I'm going to stick Dugan back there. Probably a good thing that it was Moylan that copped that hit from Martini Zalesniak and not Dugan, because I'm pretty sure they'd still be putting Dugan together like a block of Lego at the moment. But um, that hit was fucking <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. That was a beautiful shot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think you've either just got to turn around and go, Moyes is the fullback. That, that's what, you know, maybe you put Moylan, maybe you put Dugan at fullback, you know, when we're defending our line, I don't know. 
because Moylan is a, a good a, a good uh, line defender, but it, it was it was honestly baffling. And I think because of that situation, as you said, when we switched Dugan to fullback and and, and Moylan into the centres, obviously Moylan's not going to track that that kick across. And Dugan ran too far across. He, obviously, he didn't think Adam Elliott was going to fucking put in a kick like that. That was a great kick. It was. Uh, it was. I, hope Chad, I hope Chad watched it because that was, that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's the best kick from a number seven. Now, I uh, look <laughs> with my previous comment. I mean, in general, like Dugan, Dugan's kick returns. He comes from the backfield, whereas I don't yeah. think Moylan, Moylan can take those hit ups. One hundred percent agree. Moylan's going to be a six. Nothing. No one can convince me otherwise. I don't care what two try assists in fucking twelve games says. It's Moylan's our six, but um. Moylan's positioning is far, far, far better than Dugan's. Always has been, always will be. But when Hopawadi ran through, Moylan might as well not have been there because he wasn't putting his body on the line. He, he sort of shouted him, shouldered him away as if to say, shoe fly, and I was like, fuck, my DMs aren't going to be fun at halftime when I check my phone. <laughs> Fox, it was a Fox exclusive game, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. It was a 6.30, wasn't it? Fucking hell. I, I, I keep thinking we played at 4 o'clock. How they didn't understand what Sean Johnson was doing at the start of the second half, we had a player in the sim bin and Johnson kicked to the sideline twice. Why else do you think they'll do it? You've got a former Australian halfback there saying, I don't understand why Johnson's trying to wind the clock down. Well, probably because his bodyguard's in the fucking sim bin, you dickhead. <laughs> Nakora still had four to five minutes to go. Mate, everyone knew that was coming, and I thought the same thing. I almost reached for my phone, but I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. And when I when I logged in, I saw you blowing up. I'm like, thank Christ someone noticed, because that fuck we'd had no idea. The kicks were perfect. The game plan was great. The cameraman's yeah, trying to point him. The guy, the guy in the sin bin. You've got your five eight managing the game perfectly, kicking the ball out, winding the clock, down. and then the dogs did us a favour down the other, and they went and kicked the ball out. Yeah, that was good fun. I um, yeah. I got to say though, I've never seen a square up sin bin like that. Like he, he was just looking for a reason to square it up because I thought Nakora's was very soft, and then uh, yeah. when when they I, sent Abrello, good fun. Uh, waking you, man. Waking you. Yeah, they all suck. Who cares? Simbin, but when he when he said 
the core off. I was like, oh, well, I don't really care about that. Like, the guy doesn't make any impact on the game whatsoever. So, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the lesser of two evils, mate. I know. Now, speaking of um, Nakora and not making any uh, any impact on the game, I want to I want to read these stats out to you here, Dan. Uh, Wade Graham had nine runs for seventy four meters, had forty or forty three tackles uh, in eighty minutes of football. Nakora had eight runs for sixty two meters and made forty tackles in eighty minutes of football. On the flip side. Talakai had 10 runs for 82 metres and made 16 tackles in 44 minutes of football. That bloke goes looking for work. We've got a real problem with our second rowers at the moment. Absolutely agree. Nakora might as well not be there, mate. I know he makes a lot of tackles and he threatens on the line, but he's just there looking for that Johnson pass to go through untouched. And They're the the only runs here. If you have a look at Britton Nakora's runs on the weekend, it was from a Sean Johnson pass. He didn't go... he didn't run back and get himself involved for uh, a hit-up, and he does not go in for the hard yards. He doesn't go in the middle of the field. He stays in his channel, and he doesn't go looking for work, and it's it's really frustrating because our like I, I understand with Wade Graham. Wade Graham's not a battering ram, but this guy doesn't ball play. He's a line runner. He's not, he, he, he's not doing his job at the moment. He might as well not be there. And this is what I'm saying. The Wade Graham conundrum for mine, Wade has to go to 13. Because he can ball play, he can play both sides of the ruck, and we can put Talakai, a guy who's going to go and, and, and make those runs, we can put him on the left edge. Bear in mind, Talakai won the New South Wales Cup Green Final playing as a left edge back rower. Um, I honestly think, and it gets Jack Williams out of the team. I, I, I'm not hit or miss on, on Jack Williams, but he doesn't offer anything. He doesn't ball play. He's a prop. Um, it, it drops him to the bench, or it gets him out of the team completely. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I think, I think for us to be competitive and take our team to the next level, if you can have Wade Graham ball playing, and then Sean Johnson and Chad ball playing, and then Matt Moylan ball playing, you, you, you're getting that blueprint as to what the new rules are opening up. Because at the moment, we're wasting Wade Graham on the left hand side. Wade didn't have one kick on the weekend. And and normally Wade Graham will put in kicks, but he didn't... When... when like, what, with, with Wade, when he's not involved in the game, you really notice it. When he is involved in the game, he's generally the best player on the field. So to get him involved, we've got to move him into the middle. Absolutely. Wade has to touch the ball a lot more than he did. Yeah. I, know he, I know he threatens on the left, but we need that threat more. 100% buy into the Talakai hype, mate. Oh, I love that guy. He is a machine, and he's every time he hit the ball up, you knew it was him because of his running style. He yeah. doesn't give a fuck. He's kamikaze, and I love it. Um, I thought they used Royce Hunt well on the weekend. Um, <laughs> in saying he got about 15 minutes, which was perfect. Um, I don't get the ULE use, putting him on, and I don't think he came back on. That was very, very strange. <laughs> back on um, for the for the final stint of the game for Britain Nakora. Ueli was playing right edge back row. There you go. That's um, so I mean if we can get Ueli out on, on in the back row, I'm all for that. He could be our kick out. Yeah, it um, mate, if, if he can get fit enough, absolutely agreed. Um, Toby Rudolph had ten runs for eighty six meters and made thirty six tackles in thirty seven minutes of football. Like you know, he's basically 
producing the same like the same amount of work as Britain Nakora in half the time. Um, and I don't know if Nakora got cooked for having an absolutely shocking performance, but something's going to happen with him. And then, you know, we've got Teague Wilton, we've got Scott Sorensen, we've got Talakai, um, we've got forwards. You know, Billy Magoulis is looking for a game. Mm. You know, this, <laughs> at this point in time where there's no New South Wales Cup and you've got guys now not being able to play but are training their ass off, this is where you should be going in and doubling your work rate and helping your teammates out. The guy who plays one step to the right of Britton Nakora in Jesse Ramian had 20 runs on the weekend for 192 metres. Why can't Nakora turn around and go, you know, a sensor is out, is uh, outperforming me. I need to get him to make these runs. That's what you paid for. I, I get the feeling Nakora doesn't go looking for the runs because he thinks he needs to t- keep energy for defence because he's making 40 tackles, which is fine, but we got we got players on the bench that can play out wide, and we're not getting any impact. Last year, that you were getting impact from Nakora, especially early on. Um, I think he fell in love with running through untouched from Johnson. I really think that was a negative in disguise, like because he scored some ripper tries where he went through and set the fullback like he wasn't there, and he used to do it for Newtown all the time off Kyle Flanagan. But uh, I want him. I want him putting in. I want him making 100 metres. I want him getting smashed and getting up and playing the ball. But the one player, I won't say I was disappointed, but one player I expected more was uh, was Blake Braley. Only the four runs on the weekend. Um, this this game's tailor-made for him. You know, Woods plays the ball quick. Fafita uh, plays the ball quick. This is tailor-made for Braley. I don't know whether he's getting over-called, like Johnson or Chad are calling the ball, or whether he's not quite confident or he's not fit or what's going on, but... There were three or four opportunities there where the markers were down. There was either one or no markers, and I thought, he's gone here. He's going through the gap, and here he, he comes the Blake Braley we love. Uh, I, ju- I just haven't seen it yet. I, I know it's coming. I love the kid. He's a, he's a freakish young talent. But I just wanted to back himself. I want six, eight, ten runs a game because God help a side if he decides to run. I, th- I think the problem that we've got for Blake Braley at the moment is his service is just so crisp and so direct and it, it just goes where you want it to. It hits the forwards on the chest. It hits Sean Johnson when he's running onto the ball. It hits the Chad Townsend when Chad's just standing around doing nothing. It hits the people where you need it to. And I think that, you know, he's getting so many compliments about his service. I think that he just thinks, well, I've got to, I've got to set it up on a platter for them. Like, you can set it up on a platter by running through the forwards, drawing the fullback and passing it to someone. Absolutely. I get, I get what you're saying about Blake, right? We've also got to remember he's 21 years old, and this is essentially his rookie year. I know he played 15 games last year, but he would have played, if he was lucky, three combined first-grade games in terms of minutes. And his minutes, I think, you know, he, he's only not finished one game this year. So um, we're going to get it from him. And he's going to be an absolute elite player. But I think he, as I said, he's so focused on his service. And I haven't seen anyone pass the ball off the ground as smooth as him since a young Robbie Farrer came in. Because even sometimes Cameron Smith's passing can be a little bit questionable. But Braley's service is just absolutely unbelievable. But you're right. He, he, if he's not going to run, he needs to put in a kick. Yeah, he needs absolutely. to do something else apart from just pass the ball. He's um, Look, the raw talent's there. And... You, you just know one day it's coming. He's just going to yeah. burst through and he's going he's gonna to put one of our blokes over and he's not going to look back. And I'm, I'm excited for that. 
Um, I was going to say, I'm hoping it's not too far away. Mate, one to six, all ran for over 100 metres. That's, that's pretty insane. Yeah, and, and look, uh, I know Sione Katoa, <laughs> that, that Superman dive, like, if he steps back infield, he, he probably scores next to the post. <laughs> Mate, it's not sexy, though. <laughs> that Superman dive was unbelievable. The kick that, that Johnson put in um, for him was, was unreal as well. Um, yeah, it's you know it's it, he he was he was absolutely fantastic. I think Goodwin really really surprised me. Safe as houses, brilliant defensively, took all the ball uh, all all the the balls that he needed to, made one hundred and thirty five meters I think. Um, and in his first game back, when that bloke shouldered Dugan in the ribs, he was in there for a fight. Yeah, I love that. I was actually going to mention that. Our blokes were in there so fucking quickly when he dropped that shoulder, and because Dugan got up with fire in his eyes, and yeah. the the big boys were in there real quick. There was no way we were losing that fight. No, I know, but, but this is what I'm saying. Like, this, this guy hasn't played for Cronulla since 2008. This is his first game back in in 12 seasons, and he was ready to he was ready to trade blows. Um, Dave Riccio pointed out a really really nice fun fact about Bryson Goodwin in his last game for Cronulla. He played the West Tigers, and John Morris was the hooker for the Tigers. That <laughs> That's insane, eh? It's, like, <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. It's like 30 years. Is it? Is there ever yeah. been a difference in tries in years, like for a club, like between tries? I can't think of anyone who's ever done that. Uh, Colin, oh, Colin Best probably was was about nine years for us. Um, no, I'd, I'd, you'd have to really look in the archives. Maybe that's a good tweet for, for Andrew Ferguson. Let's hit him up, mate, because I'd like to see that. No, I, I'm a real I'll, fan I'll, of Goodwin. I'll send him a tweet. I'll, I'll put on here tweet Fergo. Lovely, mate. Look, over, overall, I was I was pretty happy with the performance across the board. There's plenty to work on, but if you said we're going to beat the dogs on the weekend and the score's probably going to flatter them, I would have taken that all day. I just we got we got to get wins on the board. It's not about playing sexy football right now. Exactly right. If you have if you have a look right, their first try was a well constructed try, off Townsend being an absolute retard and going and touching that ball for no reason. Yeah, it was that was very frustrating. That was the fifth tackle. That ball's up in the air. He wasn't going to go. He just went and volleyball spiked it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what he's thinking. And I, I, literally, I literally forgot about that until now, and I wish I had thought about it. Their second try came off that kick from Adam. They were going absolutely nowhere. They were going absolutely nowhere. Adam Ellie puts a kick in. And Kieran Foran scores. Brilliant. And their third try came off an intercept. So it's not as if they scored some soft tries like the Dragons did. We stemmed the bleeding. We we contained them very well. They got some lucky tries. And, and as you said, we, you know, they got some lucky tries. We were unlucky. And that just shows where we are as a football team. We're not a shit football team, man. This is a top eight squad. It's just down on itself at the moment. Yeah, it's um. Look, hopefully this is the win that gets them going, mate. You got to win. You got to win ugly before you can win pretty. And you know we've won ugly now, so fingers crossed. Uh, so let's move on to uh, the game. We're playing the Manly Warriors Seagulls this weekend. Our friend RCB Sharks was tweeting out some absolutely horrific stats. Um, I, you know we've only beaten Manly twenty six times, as we always joke about. We beat them once every four years. This is the fourth year, though. This is it. Mate, this is the Olympics for us. Could could this um, be the sign? We we couldn't we couldn't be in a better stead. I mean, I know we've lost to him sans Tommy Turbo thirty times already, 
the past couple of months. But he um he's contributed to 70% of the tries man they scored this year, either by scoring or assisting them. So if you can pick one player to be out, I'm glad it's him. Although I'm uh, not uh, not happy that you, your mate to power's back. Yeah, look, I, I I I took a peek over to the Silver Tales forum today, and there's some people on there who still think to power will be a late scratching. Um, so fingers crossed. That'd be nice. Um, we've named an unchanged lineup. So Matt Moore is the fullback, Katoa and Goodwin on the wings, Dugan and Ramy in centres. Johnson and Townsend are the halves. Woods, Braley and Fafita are the front row. I still think Fafita won't start. Nakora, Graham and Williams are the back row. Rudolph, Ueli, Talakai and Hunt. I think uh, Ueli will start again for Fafita. Um, and then we've got Sorensen, Tracy, Kennedy and Ferris. Now, this is Manly's team. Uh, Brendan Elliott, George Tafua, Brad Parker. I don't even know the first name of Funa. Ruben Garrick, uh, Lachlan Croker, Daly Cherry Evans. Adam Fanua Blake, uh, Danny Levi, Marty Tapao, Joel Thompson, Kurt Sirinen, who is absolutely on fire. You picked that one brilliantly. Uh, Jake, Tur- uh, Jake Turbo is the lock. And then they've got Kate Cust. I don't even know this bloke's first name. Gasuski, um, Kepi, and Kraseka. It's not like it's a pretty average side that's playing really well because of their coach. That back line is horrible. Um so where do we win this game, Dan? How do we win this game? Um, hopefully they all get the flu and pass uh, and fail their corona test, mate, because there is... I, I don't believe in hoodoos except this one. This is a real deal hoodoo. You could run the Blacktown workers' reserves out and they're going to go in favourites for Cronulla. That back line is, is shit. Well, they're the last team to beat Newtown too. Um, their back line's shit. Half their forwards are, are way past it. But they're going to aim up, they're going to come out, and they're going to belt us from pillar to post. What we got to do is we got to get on top of Fanua Blake and Tafua, if he, uh, I mean, uh, Tafua, if he plays. Uh, we got to hammer DCE early, and we got to run at him often. The best way to win this game is to drag him down into the worst game of the season, uh, kick a field goal, and beat him, what, 13-12. That's how I see this game going. Yeah, so the way that we can win this game is in the backs. We've got to make this a backline contest because our backline is way better than theirs. Like one to six, we are far superior than them. And I know it's harsh and it sounds like I'm shitting on Chad Townsend, but I can't say one one to seven because Daly Cherry Evans is on another plane. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but Daly Cherry Evans working with that one to six without Tommy Turbo, as you said, who's contributed to about 70% of their points. You know, he's got Brendan Elliott, who's not a ball player. Tafua coming back is a big in. Brad Parker's got question marks over him. That Furner scored a nice try. Who threw the pass to him on the weekend? Tommy, Tommy Turbo. Turbo. Absolutely. Ruben Garrick is not playing as he did last year. So we need to win this game in the backs. We need to give uh, Dugan and Ramy an early ball. We need to kick behind for Katoa because Katoa's got a lot of pace. Katoa's marked up on George Tafua. <laughs> Mate, there's yeah, only so one winner there. Yeah, so in terms of pace, Katoa can contain. And Katoa looks a lot better defensively on the right than he does on the left. So that's not a bad matchup. Ruben Garrick on Bryson Goodwin, it's the young versus the old. And, you know, Garrick's probably a better player, but he's not going to shit on Goodwin. Yeah. You know, Bryson Goodwin outpointed Dallin Martin Zelezniak on the weekend, who plays on the wing for the Kiwis. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. We've got to take it in the backs. We've got to contain their forwards. I don't know if our forwards can get on top of them. If Aaron Woods is in the mood that he was in last weekend against the Dogs, 
then Aaron Woods can take it to Marty Tapao and Adam Fanua Blake. And we've got to get that prop rotation right. I think we might, you know, we've got to get Ueli some good minutes, Rudolph some good minutes. And this is probably a game where you do need to throw Hunt in there as well. Um, Talakai as well. You know, Talakai's got to come in and play. Uh, having those four middle forwards, though, to me, suggests that maybe Nakora will get a rest again. Um, if we can contain their forwards and then, you know, smash them in the backs, but limit the time that they, DCE has on the ball as well is, is another thing. You know, whether we've got to rush him and, and, and make him beat us with a pass, so be it. But the more, ball, the more time that he's got the ball in his hand running across the field dictating the play, the more chance Manly are going to have of winning that game. So we need to make sure that DCE doesn't have one of his better games. We got, we got to run at him. We've got to make him make 40 tackles by half time. Yep. That's that's the way you beat Manly. You tire their best player out because, you know, Lock and Coke is a you know, talented kid, but he, he's not DCE. Like, if, we, if we're smart and we play to our best ability, there's no reason why we can't beat a turbo-less Manly. But we've got, to get, we've got to get over that hoodoo. We've got to go in. doesn't matter. Whatever happened in the past doesn't matter. It's a new game. They've got to go in with that fuck you attitude. Hopefully they're listening tonight. And they've got to go in. They're going to get on them early. Because if we go 6-10-0 down early and Fanua Blake gets his back up, we're fucked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, there's, I, I can't disagree with you there whatsoever on what you're saying. The other thing as well is our edge players really need to be on it because Joel Thompson and Sirenen have run some serious holes this year. They are. I'm really worried about Sirenen. I think he's uh, he's in peak form at the moment, mate, and I, uh, he's going to have a field day, and I think it might be this weekend. Mm. Um, with, with Manly, you always know what you're going to get from them, and especially if Des has the coach Manly side. Um, so, you know, they're going to be up for this game. They're, they're down on troops. They've lost the second-best player in the world. They've still got the, you know, one of the top five players in the game in their team at the moment, steering that ship around. But you know, it's it's like it's like the storm when they first had to learn how to play without Billy Slater. They weren't real good at that time. So we need to make sure that Manly's backs just don't really get in the game. We need to we need to you know really really hammer them. But I like what you said about making DCE make a lot of tackles. And it's it's really funny a story about our former coach Shane Flanagan who. We were at Bangor, Bangor Tab one night, and um, you know we were, we were coming up against the Cowboys, and everyone was, you know, Shane was really good. He loved the chat, right? He absolutely loved the chat. He was like, everyone was asking him, "How are we going to beat the Cowboys? How are you going to stop Thurston?" And uh, he goes, "You know, we're going to make Thurston make forty tackles in the first half. First half of that game, Thurston made two tackles." We need to change that game plan. And, and you're right. Um, I don't know what side of the field Daily Cherry is. Daily Cherry Evans defends on. I'm not even going to uh, pretend to know that. When we're rucking the ball out of our own end, though, that should be the channel that we're doing. Even if they kick to the other side of the field, get that ball across as quick as you can or tell the winger to just sprint across field, make no metres, but get in Cherry Evans' zone and make him make some tackles because defensively it'll take it out of him. It will. I think Royce Hunt, mate, you got to make him the wrecking ball and just run him yeah. at DCE. He's only got three runs in him, mate, but as long as they're at DCE... And they're at full pelt. It's going to make a big difference. <laughs> it's a, you know what? Like Royce Hunt's. If it's a close game, you almost send Royce Hunt out to just fucking smash Cherry Evans borderline illegally, take him out of the game. Now you you, you run the risk of a send off, 
But if, you, if he gets sent off and they lose Jerry Evans for the game, eh, we're probably even. Yeah, that's a good arm. Um, I'll take that. Good trade off. Probably even, you know? So, um, hopefully, uh, Adam Fanua Blake just doesn't treat us like women and bash us afterwards. <laughs> That'd be nice, mate. Nice, good line, yeah. good line. Yeah, thank you. Um, look, what, the, what, the one thing that really terrifies me about this game is if if Tapao and Fanua Blake are, you know, do have their angry breakfast that morning, they will make a lot of meters. So the, the one thing that you can do after you've tackled Marty Tapao, tread on his hands. Mate, you got, you got to upset him because he's not the sort of bloke that can ignore the niggle. He's going to lash out, get, get your penalty. Yeah. You know, take your licks. Do we? Can we yeah. bring Jack Bird in to, to launch himself at to Powell's uh, fists? That'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it, this weekend is a battle of the biceps, though. It's a battle of Royce Hunt versus Marty Tapao. That picture of Royce Hunt running the ball the other day uh, in training was fucking scary. That shirt don't fit him. <laughs> There's no shirt in the world that can fit that guy, mate. He is a machine. <laughs> three runs that he had. I, I was kind of impressed, but I think Morris did it right. He gave him about 12 minutes and went, because at the 13th minute, you're going to be fucked and on the ground. <laughs> and they're probably going to score a try. So we'll just give you a 12-minute run. Good on you, mate. But I, I think he is perfectly, mate. I, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this week. I'm uh, I'm, I'm well on, on the uh, the Royce Hunt bandwagon, put it that way. I, look, look I, I'm, I'm all for it because the bloke is like, He's the biggest human on the planet. He's a match. Like, yeah. he, he's like, I, st- I stood next to Billy Army Kickow a couple of weeks ago at, at the Nepean River, and he is a big lad. You just compare a picture of Kickow to Royce Hunt, and Royce Hunt is twice the size of him. <laughs> he's, like, like, he, he, but even so, you see some footballers who have got really skinny legs. No, no, Royce Hunt has inserted a cow into his thigh. <laughs> like, he, if, if, ever they, if ever Hollywood needs someone to audition for the, the position of Hulk, like not Hulk as a human, but Hulk is a fucking green beast, just spray paint. Yeah, yeah mate, they need to put muscles on him. He's ginormous. <laughs> yeah, man. He is absolutely huge. Um, have we got anything else to cover before this, Dan? No, mate, I've just, we got a bit of fan mail this week, which was nice. Um, I, I had a couple of DMs too. I'm not going to read too many out because there was a few that, um, you know, a little bit boring. Um, look, our good mate Ash Woom sent in an email. Um, I've had to I've had to condense this for time, but um, he's just said, looking back at the game, I was impressed with Goodwin and Sione. Sione's second try was the best he's seen in a while. Uh, Nakora hasn't been great. Love the podcast. Uh, agree with everything you had to say there. I think Nakora has to have a big game, or else he's got to face some um, some scrutiny. But I, ha- I had a late one. I've only I've written this down, but I, I haven't reread it. Um, so it says, evening gents, how are we? Uh, enjoy the podcast. Well, at least half the podcast. I find Dan to be knowledgeable and humorous, but the big gas bag prattles on like a giant toss pot. Ooh, love last night's pod because Terry wasn't on it. And that came from your lovely wife, Belle. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I, I messaged her before the, the pod and said, can I say this is you? And she said, I insist that you do. So um, yeah. what's, what's your retort, mate? I mean, she's two centimetres off the disabled parking, so it doesn't, it really, like, it really doesn't bother me. 
No, well, I, I actually wrote that, but um, she signed I, it. I know so, you did. Yeah. She's not smart enough to say something like that. Oh, well, thank you, mate. Oh, that's a backhanded compliment of sorts. But, um, well, look... I mean, she, she married me. There's not too much brains upstairs. <laughs> that's true. She's, um... Mate, she's good. She good. She good value. She was um very very quick to help me set set you up. I love it. But look, there's been been some really good feedback this week. Um, and I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone. The retweets last night were great. Uh, we're on we're on track to beat Listen Records with Maddie Elliott, which uh I don't think will embarrass us too much. That's pretty good. But uh, mate, it's good to have you back. I missed you last night. I, I do have to say. Speaking of feedback, uh, some person who can't take feedback on their horrendously shit takes is Jamie Soward. Oh, mate, he blocks it. What the hell? Drop Sean Johnson. We all hammer him, and he blocked everyone. Yeah, look, if anyone didn't see it, Jamie Soward said that uh, uh, Matt Moylan and, and Townsend need to be our halves because they got us to a prelim in 2018, and RCB Sharks again pointed out it was a completely different team. I then just rattled off stats and said, you know, one's leading the league in tries, tries this one got their first try assist in 12 weeks. How are you dropping Johnson? And he's like, well, it's not all about stats. So I said, well, you know, if one guy's going out there performing and your other one's standing around doing fuck all, and then some bloke went in and said, Jamie Soward played Origin, I think he knows more about you. And I was like, Jamie Soward also got run over by Greg Inglis in Origin. So he doesn't know fucking anything at the moment because he's probably got CTE. <laughs> um, in the end, he just he got really upset. And, and uh, you know, honestly, I, I, I was barbing him in good, good honest humour, like a little bit of fun, because I even said, I even tweeted the next morning, he's wound me up. And he's like, I hope you didn't lose sleep over it. So he was a bit touchy on it, but I just don't get this media narrative. And it's, it's what I said to him. I said, it's like Cooper Cronk went on TV and made a wanker of himself, and now everyone's jumped on it. It was, it was, it was horrible, and it's actually good to see that some other people now are pointing out that Sean Johnson is actually having a decent season despite us being 11. Mate, you, it's worth remembering, though, that Jamie Seward has a terrible... Australian NFL podcast, and his co-host is Chad Townsend. So I wonder if that's got a little bit to do with it. No, oh, fuck. There you go. There you go, mate. It's um, it's not. It's there's a love affair. Even Maddie last night, I tried to get him to sink the boot for Chad, and he, he wouldn't do it. So he must yeah, be the nicest guy in the world. Matt, Matt turned around and said he's a good bloke. Well, he, he might be a good bloke. I'm not going to give him the time of day because he's a shit footballer. Mate, that's it. That's all we care for. I don't know. He was shit. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if he fucking pays his taxes on time and goes to church. The guy can't set up tries, and that's what we want him to do. It's what we pay him for, mate. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we and, found uh, a way to bag Chad out of nothing. That was good. Good quality. Yeah. And uh, just one last thing as well. I've actually gone on uh, today and found the four names from all the teams to find out who's got the best name in uh, the NRL. So if anyone's listening, I've pinned it to my tweet. Go on there, vote. It's a little bit of fun just to get through the season. It's going to be a little bit hard for us. Um, unless we can win this weekend. Uh, but, Dan, once again, outstanding podcast tonight. You are on an absolute roll at the moment because that podcast last night was brilliant. It's going to, as you said, it's going to crack our um, all-time listener views apart from probably the first Toby Rudolph podcast. Um, and I don't know how it's going to compare to the Anton Poser podcast because we've got a lot of Warriors fans from that as well. But, yeah, it's a, it, was definitely a, it was definitely a great effort. I am kicking myself. I missed it. But uh, I, I, you know, half came first. Mate, absolutely can't can't argue there. And I'll um, I'll have, I'll have some I'll have a big name on very soon, mate. And I'll uh, I'll make sure that you're there come hella high water. Yeah, I know a couple of the names that you rattled off were uh, were absolutely brilliant. So I can't wait for that. As I can't wait for the next podcast with Matty Elliott, where we can ask a few more questions. We get into a bit of more detail analytics. So 
Uh, anything else, Dan? Mate, I um I got Matty Elliott to hail Matt Moylan, so if that doesn't say it all, yeah, that was incredible. That was that's the highlight of my year, mate. Yeah, that's it. But no, that's uh, it for, for me. Hail Matt Moylan. Hail Matt Moylan.